Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Thank you so much, Pastor, for this invitation. Thank you, Palmetto, for receiving me. Excuse me, it's not my first time being here, and a lot of you have had relationships with through upward basketball. So it's good to see familiar faces. And the pastor said earlier that during this time that if I say something that sounds like it's personal, you're going to say he must be looking in my window. Well, rest assured, I'm not looking in anybody's window. <laughs> All right. I'm not be, be comfortable. I'm not looking in anybody's window. But I am happy to be here when I talk to the pastor. Um, I asked him a few questions. I said, uh, first of all, I would like to know, how long do you normally preach? Uh, I'm a a statistic person. And at South Fulton, I go by the statistic that the average attention span in church is about 27 minutes. And so after that 27 minutes, you're going to see phones out, puzzles being done, the files with the nails and a whole bunch of different things. So he said, "Uh, I usually go about 30 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes. So I thought, okay, that's good. And I know some of y'all have already put me on the clock, so it's it's all right. And I said, okay, I think we'll be somewhere in that time. But please understand, please understand that I don't rush the Holy Spirit when he's speaking. Because if I rush him, I may miss something. And I think all of us would agree tonight that we don't want to miss anything that God would speak to us during this revival. Pastor gave a definition for revival, and I have one similar, but mine said revival is a renewal, and it's a time of awakening for a specific task at a given time for an appointed people. So it's a renewal, okay? That means that there's something that's going to be different after I go through revival than when I came in. And I ask you this, if you took your clothes and you put them in that washing machine, and when they came out, if they looked like what they did before you put them in, you would think there was something wrong with your washing machine or something wrong with your detergent. But let me tell you this. I believe the greatest detergent in the world is the blood of Jesus. And so if we're then taken who who we are and washed in the blood of Jesus, there's no way I'm going to come out of that washer looking the same. So then we need to be renewed. There's There's a renewal and we know only God can give life. And so God is trying to give us life today. He's trying to renew us and revival. It actually means to live again. And so with that revival, I think we can say then that this renewal tonight, I would uh, classify it as a wake up call. All of us need a wake up call in our lives at some times. But let me tell you the problem with the wake up call. The problem with the wake up call is something called the snooze button. And, and, and if you know every morning that wake up call goes on and, and, and you know it's time to get up and face whatever that day may bring you. But guess what? We continue to hit the snooze button. And some of us, we have that same mentality when God calls us. God, I hear you calling, but let me hit the snooze button and let me get all of these things straight in my life. God, let me get my relationship straight. Let me get my business straight. Let me get my finances straight. And I continue to hit the snooze button and God is trying to wake me up. And so I'm saying that tonight that my first night and and, and I want to build each night as we move along. 
And I want to build so that when we leave here on Wednesday, if God allows us to be here every night and the pastor continues to invite me back every night, that when we leave here on Wednesday, that we will have built up to something that God would want us to walk out of here with some marching orders. Listen, the snooze button. The snooze button is our way of hiding from God. The snooze button in in our lives is our way of hiding from God. But let me read you something that I came up on. And this is from Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24. And God is saying this, who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? You see, sometimes we think that we can hide from God and and he's calling us. And we all hear the call that God is giving us in our lives. And God says, who can hide? He says, do I not feel the heaven and the earth? So I ask you during your revival, during your uh, wake up call, during the time that God has knocked on your door, are you still giving him the snooze button? Romans 13 and 11 tells us this. Now it's high time for us to what? To wake up, to wake up. Listen, we complain a lot as church people. We we complain a lot about our communities, our schools and everything that's around us. But listen, how does that how has that happened? It's happened because we have been asleep. And when you don't wake up and recognize what's going around you, when you don't recognize what's going on in your communities, in your schools, one day you're going to wake up and say, wow, where did this happen? And let me tell you, it's the same thing in our lives. If you continue to sleep on God, if you continue to hit the snooze button on God, one day you're going to wake up and say, wow, how did my life get to where I am right now? So I want you to know tonight that God is issuing a wake up call tonight. And I don't know where you're sleeping on him at. Every one of us, we sleep in different places. But some of us are sleeping in our giving. Some of us are sleeping in our commitment. Some of us are sleeping in our love. Some of us are continuing to sleep on God. And tonight he's asking, will you wake up? I was asked tonight, what would be my subject or what what would be my topic? And and, and for the sake of having a topic, here's what I want you to understand tonight. My topic is, how do you respond to adversity? How do you respond to adversity? Why do I ask that? Because until we're able to respond and, and make it through adversity, we'll never be renewed. Why? Because we'll continue to go through the same things. Lord, I continue to struggle in my business. Lord, I continue to struggle in my relationship. And as long as we're continuing to stay in that place of adversity, God can never move us to the next point. I want to share a story with y'all. And this is a story that I first learned how to really handle adversity. Some years ago, I was in Haiti and I was working with a group of kids in Haiti. and, And one time I went and there was a new kid that showed up. And I asked him, who is this kid? And then the boy said, we found him. His parents had thrown him in a creek. And so they took the boy and these orphans who we had built this compound for brought this young man back to to the orphanage. And so I talked to him, tried to talk to him. He wouldn't say anything. They say he won't eat. We think he's dying. And so as I, I always take snacks with me. And so this particular day I was eating some cashews and he was just staring at me and I offered him a cashew. And he took one and he ate it and everybody stopped. He's eating. And then he asked for some more and I poured him a handful and he began to eat these cashews. And that day they gave him the name Stanley after me. Well, we found out when some nurses came through that Stanley was HIV positive, didn't have a long life to live. 
And Stanley was very weak compared to the other boys. Stanley was very weak. And I watched how Stanley grew up amongst those boys. We would be out playing soccer and, and, and I couldn't run and Stanley couldn't run. So we were the two goalies. <laughs> and, and when the ball came to my side of the, of, of the soccer field, they were kicking that ball 100 miles an hour. And I'm ducking and dodging and my team getting killed. They would kick it to Stanley and they would barely roll it so Stanley could catch it. And then one day Stanley told them, listen, stop kicking the ball to me like that. Kick it like you do to Stanley. You see, Stanley was answering the wake up call in in spite of all his adversity. Listen, I don't need to be treated different than anybody else. And then one day somebody bought them bikes and Stanley really wasn't strong enough to ride bikes. So they would push Stanley on the bike through the orphanage and they would let him go and he would go down the hill in the bushes, flipping over and everything. And Stanley would come out smiling. Greatest time he ever had. And then one day I got a, a letter saying Stanley has stopped eating the cashews. That let me know that now he's sick again. And they said, please come. And I tried to arrange my schedule to get there and I couldn't. And when I got there, I found out Stanley had died. But Stanley had written a letter to all the boys in the orphanage. And let me tell you what this letter said. Stanley said that in spite of all my sicknesses, and I don't know why I was ill, I know that God had me here for a reason. And he says, and I think the reason was to bring all of you boys together. Stanley said, listen, I could not have had a better time in life than what I had with these boys. You see, he was understanding adversity, but even in his adversity, he was trying to find what would God have him to do with his life. You see, sometimes when we're caught up in our adversity, we take our eyes off God. And Stanley began to say, listen, I have no regrets. Please don't feel bad for me. I have served the time that God has given me. And this was a young man that he was probably we didn't know how old he was when he showed up. But I was ventured to say no more than about 11. And this is what he could put on paper of how he responded to adversity. And listen, we look today and all of us, all of us are caught up in something. Listen, trouble is a part of all of our lives. I believe that Job 14 and 5 says that man that is born of woman is a few of days. And the Bible says full of trouble. And if you've never had any trouble, let me tell you this. Keep waking up every morning. (laughs) Trouble will find you at some point in your life. How will you respond to adversity? And the church, the church, we find people that in their adversity, in their adversity, they never are able to reach out of it. And and, and the sad part about it is that as God is calling us and the very one who could bring us through all the trials and tribulations in our lives, the very person who could do it is the person we run away from. How will you respond to your adversity? I want you to turn to a scripture. You have your Bibles with me. Turn to Luke chapter 8. And the word, a word, I I wrote the definition. It says the word adversity means affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, and trouble. That's what I know uh, adversity to be in. Adversity means that something that is coming against me. It's an adversary. It's an enemy. And uh, Jesus says, listen, the enemy comes to kill, to steal and destroy. He says, but I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. 
He says, but there's always going to be the enemy. In Luke chapter 8. And beginning at verse 22. It says this, there it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. We're talking about Jesus. And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sail, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this that he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him? What is this scripture teaching us tonight? First of all, I I, I believe it's giving us a a lesson on adversity. And number one, I I want you to understand a couple of things about adversity. Number one, adversity will get your attention. Listen, when life is selling fine and a little adversity come, guess what? It will catch your attention. Have you ever gone to the doctor and you expected a, a, a great report from the doctor? And he says, listen, I see a little problem here. Guess what it's done? It's caught your attention. You see, the disciples were on the boat with Jesus. What greater place can you be in life than being next to the Savior himself? But it says that a storm came up. You see, that represents adversity. That's taking the peace away from my situation. And guess what it did? It caught their attention. Sometimes God will use adversity to catch our attention. But listen, even in that, there's a lesson to learn that how will I respond to adversity? And what did the disciples do? It says that they went and they found Jesus. Guess what? Adversity will lead you to examine yourself. You see, when I go through adversity, the first thing I want to know is, is it something that I need to control or fix in my life? See, once it it, it catches my attention, now I got to look inward. I got to find out, is it something that I need to do, Lord? Am I missing something from you? Am I hearing everything that you have to say? Because I know you give me adversity so that you might get my attention. You know how sometimes I will be talking to our children and they'll just be moving and you're trying to talk to them. And eventually you have to tell them what? Be still while I'm talking. I need for you to hear me. And and the only way I know you hear me is if you're still. Listen, God's telling us that sometimes we're so busy with our lives doing everything. And God's saying, listen, be still so you can hear me. Be still so you know that I'm talking to you. Adversity will lead us to examine ourselves. And what else will adversity do? Adversity will cause us to have a different perspective on what we're going through. Listen what the disciples said. What manner of man is this? They've been with him the whole time. They've been with Jesus, but yet here comes something that gives them a new revelation. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves will obey him? How will you respond to adversity? You see, some of us tonight are on that same boat with those disciples. And some of us, our lives are being pushed to and fro by the winds and the waves. And and, and the key to our life is, how will I respond to my boat being rocked? Will I respond like the disciples and not have faith that, listen, God, I know you control the winds and the waves. I know you control the sea. I even know you control the boat. So wherever it is that you're pushing me tonight, 
I'm happy to go knowing that I'm safe in your hands. But is that the response that we give to God all the time? Acts 14 and 22 says this, confirming the souls of the disciples. And hear what I'm saying and exhorting them to continue in the faith. You see, we have to be exhorted. We have to be encouraged to continue in the faith. Why? It said that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom. You know, when we get saved, a lot of times we think that, man, I'm saved now. Life is just a bed of roses. But let me tell you the truth. Once you give your life to Christ, that's when the enemy is going to attack you the most. Why? Not because he can take away what you've gotten from Christ, but he can try to stop you from sharing that with others. How will you respond to adversity? Second Timothy three and 12 says this. Yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. It's not going to be easy. I think about the things that God has directed me to do. And I can remember times that I was in places I was like, God, you sent me here and everything around me is chaos. It's adversity. And God is not looking for us to question him. I I think about the story of Job when Job questioned God. He says, God, why am I going through this? Put me on a scale and weigh me with other people and you'll see that I'm not I don't need to go through this. But God answered Job and he says, Job, I'm going to answer you. He says, but you better gird yourself up like a man, because here I come. You see, we don't deserve to question God. You know what? I'm thankful for whatever God allows me to do in his kingdom. That should be my response. God, whatever place that you have me in your kingdom, that's where I need to be. But how will I respond to adversity? And you know what? In some ways, it's almost depressing when I when I talk about Man, this life I got in Christ is all about adversity and overcoming it. And after one thing, the the next, it almost sounds depressing. But guess what? There's a hope that we have in Christ. Turn with me to John 16 and 33. And we showed up tonight. Myself included, Lord, I'm looking for a renewal. You know, this Bible tells me that every day your mercies are, are renewed there. It's something new. It's, it's an excitement every day. And I'm looking for it, God, just like everybody else. But until I can defeat myself, you know, I tell people all the time at my church, if you want to find the greatest enemy in your life, you don't have to look down to find the, the, to identify Satan. That's not your greatest enemy. If you're looking for the greatest enemy you will ever have in your life, look in the mirror. And why do I say that? Because Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him first deny himself. I'm the biggest obstacle I have in my life. And, you know, sometimes I was like, God, if you would just take me out of the way. But then I realized if he took me out of the way, I'd be gone. So maybe not. But God, (laughs) help me to get this right in my life, you know. Create a new person in me. Create a new heart in me. Listen, I am the greatest enemy. Nobody controls your destiny. We control our destiny. Why? Because Jesus says, I've given it to you. I've given it to you. How will you respond to life? Listen, uh, John 16 and 33. These things, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's telling them that the hour has come, that they're going to go through some things. They're going to go through some things that they can't even imagine. And I was I was reading even when Jesus went through, the Bible says that he prayed, God, if it's possible, 
Let this cup pass from me. Let this adversity pass from me. Let this thing that's against me pass from me. He says, but listen to the response to adversity. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I ask people often, the Bible says that the days of a man are three score and 10. And by my math, that's 70 years. I know they got some new math now, but 70 years. And it says by help or strength of the Lord, four score, 80 years. And I ask people, what is it that you would not be willing to do for God for 80, 70, 80 years and then live eternity with him and never have another uh, need in your life? What would you what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus was talking to his disciples. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Listen, that's the great thing that all of us are chasing here tonight. We're chasing peace. We want peace in our finances. We want peace in our health. We want peace in our relationships. We want peace in our church. We are chasing peace and we're chasing it in all the wrong places. Jesus says, listen, in me, you will have peace. What is this peace? Jesus says, listen, I I share this all the time. One of the greatest discoveries I ever made for myself in life is to be able to lay down at night and go to sleep and not worry about what's happening tomorrow. I wake up and my wife looking at me and she just, how can you sleep and all this is going on? (laughs) You don't see what's going on. How can you go to sleep? Because I have peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, I ain't saying she ain't got peace now. She'll say, I don't have common sense. (laughs) But listen, there's nothing like having the peace of God in your life. And when you have the peace, remember, I told you adversity is an adversary. An adversary indicates war. But Jesus says, in me, you will have peace. He just says, you may. He says, in me, you might have peace. And that word might means you will be established in peace in me. In me, there's nothing, there's no one else that can give us that peace other than Jesus. I tell people, listen, don't come to church thinking just because you're in church that there will be peace there. Listen, church is some of the worst fighting going on that you'll ever find. And I don't know about here, Pastor, but some of the churches I've been at, people on this pew won't speak to this pew. And it's generational. Why you don't speak to him? My mama didn't speak to his mama. And I'm thinking, come on. There's no peace. But Jesus says, in me, you might have peace. And listen what he says. In the world, you shall have tribulation. And let me tell you, just like he says in him, there's no doubt you will have peace. In the world, there's no doubt you will have tribulation. Anything away from God is going to bring tribulation. The world can only offer the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride in one's own life. That's what you're going to find away from Christ. And if we're going to be renewed, we got to find out the source of being renewed. And the source is Jesus Christ himself. And through the work of his Holy Spirit in us, through the work of him renewing this Holy Spirit in us, that's where we will find peace. That's where we will find uh, uh, how we will overcome adversity in our lives. Listen what he finished with. In the world, you will have tribulation. But listen what he says. But be of good cheer. I come to church some Sundays and I stand in front of my congregation and it looks like people are waiting to go into the dentist's office. (laughs) And I don't know how many of y'all. I don't like the dentist. I'll be honest. 
If they're not waiting for the dentist's office, it looks like they're getting ready to walk the green mile. Y'all remember that movie? <laughs> Where's the cheer? Listen, I know you're going through some things. We, have a, we had a, a time today where we talked about cancer and how cancer is wrecking our families. But guess what? In spite of that, Jesus says, cheer up. Where is the cheer in the church? How are we going to be renewed if we're walking around? How can I let my light shine if there's no cheer in my life? Cheer up, Jesus says. I like the, how they say it in the Caribbeans. And we got some Caribbeans in our church. And you know what they say? Don't worry, be happy. That's how we're supposed to be in Christ. Jesus says, be of good cheer. Today, Jesus would say, cheer up. I see you struggling with some illnesses. I see you struggling financially. I see you struggling here and there. Cheer up. He says, I have overcome the world. There's nothing we face that Jesus has not already overcome. Whatever you're going through, I promise you, you're not the first one to go through it and you won't be the last. Cheer up. So you're saying I'm supposed to be cheerful when I'm going through the illness? Absolutely, because you're giving God an opportunity to work in your life. Cheer up. The scripture said this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Man, people ought to be turning flips coming in this place. But it looks like people are being drugged here. When I grew up, I didn't have an option to go to church. My father said, as long as you're in my house, you're going to go to church. So you know what? After about 10 years of that, I just decided I may as well like it. <laughs> I'm not, I have no choice. But people come into the house of God with no cheer. No cheer. And he says, I have overcome. Overcome means that guess what? Whatever it is, I'm over it. Greater is me that is in you than anything in the world. But you got to cheer up. How will you respond to adversity? We're some of the saddest. uh, Again, I told you from the beginning, I'm a statistical person. Church people are some of the most sad, unfulfilled people in the world. There's a problem with that. There's a problem. Why? Because if you're saying that Christ is, is the Lord of your life, he's telling me to cheer up. How will I overcome adversity? Cheer up. I have overcome the world. Jesus says this. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to you. Cheer up. If you were doing the bidding for whoever you consider the greatest business, a role model in your life, and you were, you were their ambassador, let me tell you something. We would always be happy. Listen, I am an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords. I am his ambassador. He has chosen me. So whatever I go through, guess what? It does not matter. He's told me to cheer up. Be of good cheer. Every day you wake up, there's going to be something. There's going to be something. But if we really want renewal, if we really want revival, we've got to learn to overcome adversity in our lives. And if we continue to sit and yet, and I don't know about you, anybody here ever had a pity party for themselves? Woe is me. Nobody's going through. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Y'all know how we do it. If we're going to continue to do that, we're not going to be renewed. And let me tell you something. If you're not renewed, let me tell you what's going to happen in the church. The church is going to get stale to you. 
The church is going to get boring to you. you wanna go, you're going to want to come here now and be entertained. I tell people all the time, if you're looking for entertainment, stay at home. You got 157 channels on your TV. Find you one that'll entertain you. This is not about entertaining you. This is about fixing your life so that you might live eternally with God in heaven. And while you're on earth, you might let your light shine. But you got to get through some adversity. And if the church, if we can't battle through it. And let me tell you, adversity, some of us got some stories that'll bring most of us to our knees. But guess what? None of it is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. None of it is more powerful than God, than Jesus' spoken word. And let me tell you what he told that wind and the waves. He says, listen, peace be still. And some of us, that's what we need in our lives tonight. With all the stuff that's rocking and rolling us, peace be still. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How have you responded to adversity? Many people we've seen are walking away from the church. People walk away from the church. Adversity, too much adversity. There's too many things going on. And, and in all of my life, there's too much going on. I really don't have time for that right now. And God is constantly giving us the alarm. I'm sounding the alarm. I'm sounding the alarm. And we're constantly hitting that snooze button. Why? Because we don't want the adversity. And I do know this. Jesus, listen, if Jesus was willing to go through what he did just for me, and I was looking at that, uh, uh, the creed that we were singing, and it says that I believe, I believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I know what that son went through just for me, just for me. And listen, at the lowest point in my life, as bad as it might can get in my life, no money, no health, nowhere to stay, no family, no anything, as bad as it might be, when I think about just how much Jesus loved me, guess what? Cheer up. Cheer up. Why? Because God has called you to be his child. I think about some time ago, and I know my 30 minutes is up. I don't have a watch on, but I can tell. I think about uh, some time ago and, and, and just how people respond to adversity. And I was downtown Atlanta in the post office. And, and as I walked in, there was a lady out there and she had a, a, a grocery cart. And obviously everything she owned was in it, obviously. And I looked at her and she caught my eye and I walked on into the post office. And I knew that was, listen, here's an opportunity, I thought, for me to reach into her life and, and give her something. And I'm going to, you know, sometimes we get pious in ourselves. I'm going to help this little lady today, and it's going to be all right. And so I finished my business in the post office, and I walked out. And I reached in my pocket. And I said, ma'am, have you had anything to eat today? She said, no, sir, I haven't. I said, well, listen, let me, let me do that for you. And I reached in my pocket, and I had two $5 bills, and I gave them to her. I said, listen, go get yourself something to eat and have a wonderful day. She said, thank you, sir. She said, God bless you. She said, but hold on. She took five and she gave it back to me. She said, you obviously go to church. She said, put this in the church for me. You see, that's how you respond to adversity. Living on the street. And she says, 50 percent of what I just given her. She said, listen, put this in the church for me. And then as I walked away, I'm floored by now. I'm ready to fall on my knees and start crying at her ankles. And she says, and I walked away, she says, and, and sir, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. 
And I thought, here's a lady out here, obviously by herself, nobody around, but look how she responded to adversity. Cheer up. Cheer up. She had plenty of tribulation, trials, and turmoil, obviously. But guess what? Cheer up. God blessed her, and she said, put this in church for me. And she says, and I'm going to pray for you. And let me tell you something. I'd never walked away feeling more prayed for in all the church services I've been in and how much oil I done had poured on my head. I'd never felt more prayed for than I did at that time. How will you respond to adversity? And if we're going to make it from one night to the next, let me tell you something. Some adversity going to hit some of us tonight. How will you respond? How will you respond? You see, you have an enemy that he's on his job. Stop complaining about how Satan and the devil is working against you. That's his job. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's just doing what he's doing. How will you respond when he comes to your door? And not just him, but yourself. How are you going to respond with yourself? Until I can overcome myself, I can never experience this, this, as I said, this revival, a time of awakening. Won't be an awakening because I'm caught up in everything I'm going through for a specific task. I can't get the task done because I'm too busy trying to fix my life at a given time for an appointed people. Yes, God has given me this time. And yes, he has appointed me, but it's too much going on, Lord. I can't respond right now. And that snooze button constantly is right beside me. I'll get back with you later. I'll get back with you later. And I heard this said one time about this Bible. There are promises in here from Genesis to Revelations, full of promises. But I tell you one you won't never find in here, and that's the promise of tomorrow. You'll never find a promise in here that says we'll be here tomorrow. Listen, choose you. Jesus says this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, get busy. Respond to your adversity as God has called us. God, not, it's not about me. It's not about me, not my will, but your will be done. How will you respond to adversity? And until we can defeat adversity, it's like math. Until you can learn to, until we teach our children addition, multiplication, uh, division, and subtraction, we can't teach them algebra. No sense in giving you algebra because you hadn't, you hadn't mastered that yet. There's no sense in giving you a vision if you can't master defeating yourself. There's no, there's no reason. Jeremiah 29, 10 says this. Listen, I know the plans I have for you. And God is saying, I got a vision for you, a plan to give you an expected successful end, not to harm you, but I can't give it to you. I can't put it in your hands because you can't defeat yourself yet. You're too tied up in what's going on in you until you can defeat yourself. We'll never, ever get this revival that we need so badly in our churches. Until I can defeat I, me, and my, I'll always be on the losing battle. I'll always be on the losing battle. Take our eyes off ourselves and put them on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, we thank you that you have given us the alarm tonight, God, that you've sent us the wake-up call tonight. And so, Father, as we hear it right now, God, in our spirit, as we hear it, God, knowing, Father, that it is you who is calling us. Father, help us not to continue to press that snooze button. But, Father, as you ask, 
Who shall go for us? Who shall we send? Father, help us to speak out tonight and say, here I am, Lord, send me. God, help us to stop looking for other people to do. God, help us to know that you've called us. And Father, through all the adversity in our lives, you said we're blessed when we endure, Father. So God, help us to understand that our lives are blessed. You said that in the world we will have tribulation. It says in you we will have peace. So cheer up. So Father, help us to be cheerful tonight. Father, help us to have smiles tonight. Father, help us to have a spirit of giving tonight. Father, give me the spirit of the lady at the post office tonight. As bad as it looked to other people, Father, I know you're still in control. So God, as we are working on this project called me, Father, we are the potter. As you are the potter and we are the clay on that wheel, Father. As you're molding us, as you're calling us, God, help us to respond the right way. Father, I pray for every person in here. God, I know that there are trials and troubles, tribulations throughout the building. For you told us that these are days of few and full of trouble. But Father, I know you said that if we would keep our minds stayed on you, that we would have this peace. So Father, I pray for a revival, God, not just for a church, God, but for individuals first. For God, it is us who make up the church. And as we are revived, Father, that as we are renewed, Father, for this appointed time, for this task, God, that we might put our hands to work. And Father, that we might please you. If there's any tonight, God, in this building that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, have not made the decision to give their life to you. Father, I pray now that as they fight the enemy who's trying to keep them in their seats, Father, that they would come God, knowing that you have called us and that we will come, that you will save us. God, we thank you this night. We thank you for what you have given us this night. And so, Father, as we self-examine, Father, as you have caught our attention, Father, as we self-examine, and Father, as we see the perspective that you've given us, peace be still, what manner of man. Father, we pray that we will buy into that tonight. God, that we will leave this place not the same as when we came, but closer to you. We ask these prayers in Jesus' name. His name we pray, amen.